Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Good morning. I am, I am much better than I was uh, two weeks last week and time before that, the week before that. Glad to be back upright. I did not get tested. I don't know what I had, but I assume it was COVID since I ate a piece of pepperoni and couldn't taste it. So that was my assumption. But uh, all I had was fever, no, no real chest, no breathing problem. Uh, so there's plenty of oxygen in my head. So I can't blame any of my slippage on that. But uh, again, if I want to know, you please please turn to the book of Galatians. We are in chapter 3. And you know, I wonder at times why. Uh, why did I preach some of the stuff I preach? Why am I going through the book of Galatians right now? And as I'm studying this and as I'm looking, um, I'm amazed at the number of churches today uh, that have wandered from the Word. Who don't exactly preach, uh, don't preach Orthodox, uh, what the scriptures say. And uh, so it, it, we are in our Sunday school class next week, where when we start Sunday school back up again, we're going to be talking about the progressive church. And I'm going to give a bunch of examples, and we're going to talk about where the church went wrong. Because at this point in time, I believe the statistics are that there are more progressive churches than there are traditional churches. And the church is in trouble. And Paul, so Paul is struggling with something very similar since the beginning of Christianity. Uh, there have been those who have tried to enter the church to change the message, to uh, corrupt the gospel. This is part of the, of the goal of the enemy. The enemy, uh, it doesn't, you know, like I said, I think I said a couple weeks ago, I said he doesn't come in with a big sign saying, I am the enemy and I'm here to destroy your church with false doctrine. He comes in and everything sounds good, it looks good. And, and so what we have here is we have the churches in Galatia who, uh, at the time, had believed the gospel of grace that Paul had shared with them on the first missionary journey that he took. And then Judaizers had been behind trying to change the gospel to say you need to be, it was a gospel based upon works. And they had, they had, I mean, they had thousands and thousands of years of Judaism behind them. It makes perfect sense to people. Well, don't you think we should follow what the law says? Which is true. We do need to follow the law. We need to be people of the book. And people of the book follow the Ten Commandments. We are we live lives. We were talking about that today, the kind of life we're supposed to live. But that is not what saves us. What saves us is, is the is faith in, in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. What's unfortunate about the gospel is that, like many things in our lives, the gospel of grace has a tendency to leak. We may have grown up in the church, we may have, uh, we may have uh, studied the gospel, we may have been, you know, been to all BBS, been out Sunday school, we're always in church. But what happens is, if we don't get ourselves back into the gospel, periodically we refill ourselves up back up again, it begins to leak. If we don't spend any time in Scripture reading about the salvation that we receive through Christ, then it leaks out of us. And that's what happens. That's what is happening. And what continues to happen today. And then what happens is, if we don't have the true gospel, then we become susceptible to the lies of the enemy. And believe me, he is there waiting to tell you lies. And this is what's happening See, what, what, what happens with the enemy is that he does one of two things. He either wants to make the gospel about Jesus and something else. You must have Jesus, yes, but you must also be circumcised. That's what Paul in the Church of Galatia was dealing with. Or today what you might find is you have something to say, well, yes, you must have Jesus, but if you're not speaking in tongues, you don't have the gospel. Or if you're not being slain in the Spirit, if you're not working miracles, if you're not prophesying, if you're not a, an apostle, then, then you are. You do not have the full gospel. It's always Jesus plus something. 
It's always just Jesus. That's all we need. Or sometimes it'll happen, which is what's happening in the progressive church, it'll be Jesus minus something. So they'll say, well, yeah, we believe in Jesus. We believe he was a good man, but we don't believe that he was the Son of God. So they take God's divinity out. Or what they like to do, and you'll find this in most churches that are progressive, is that it's not only that, but it's that we, it's Jesus minus judgment. But we don't judge people. We allow them to live their lives the way they want to. Because doesn't Jesus love everybody? Sounds good. The enemy is always ready. But this is a false gospel. And Paul has repeatedly stressed so far that we are not justified by our obedience to the law. Justified through faith. Christ alone. Two weeks ago I talked about it that with God's intention from the start to create people for himself that compromise, that surprise, not a compromise, surprise, both Jews and Gentiles. We saw that when we were talking about Abraham. We see that, you know, God had always intended for grace to come to the Gentiles and then ultimately to the Jews also. And in our verse today, what Paul's going to do is going to draw some very uh, some Old Testament scripture to show the amazing nature of the gospel and the doctrine of justification. And he's going to prove again, he's constantly proving over and over and over again that salvation is by faith alone and not by works. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we read Revelations 3, starting with verse 10. Says. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse be anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith, rather. The one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentile, so that we might receive the promised spirit of faith. Father, appreciate your word. It's asked, Father, that our hearts be open to it. And our minds will be clear and understand that the Holy Spirit will speak through your word. May it change us, Father, to be people who walk like that. Great as many amen. You know, one of the things that the progressive church seems to love to attack is the fact that they don't believe in atonement. They don't believe substitutionary atonement. They don't believe that Jesus had to die or sin because they don't believe in original sin because they don't believe that. They don't believe that existed. But we know what Paul has written and what scripture says Christ died for our sins. The first place that Paul begins to draw his argument for salvation not being by obedience to the law, is actually, he's pulling from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 27-26. What is happening is, Moses is, in, in Deuteronomy, in this chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses is renewing the Mosaic covenant. He's re renewing the, the covenant because the people are just about ready to enter the promised land. What God says is that, through Moses, he's telling the people that if the Israelites do not keep the law, then what's going to happen is they're going to receive every single curse that's in the covenant. So what does Moses do? Moses instructs the people that once they enter the land, they're going to enter, go on top of this mountain, and the Levites are going to go up there, and they're going to start restating the law. It basically goes something like this. Curse be anyone who does this. And 
Cursed be anyone who does that. And then the people are supposed to reply, after that, they're supposed to reply, Amen. Now, you and I, we pray all the time, and we always say, Amen. What do we mean when we say Amen? Do we really know? But actually, what Amen means, means so means you are agreeing with everything that is in your prayer. So what God is having the Israelites do is he's having them agree to every single curse that he's having them repeat. And the final line is that it is not just about agreeing with the law. They have to put the law into action. I want to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 27. I just want to read some of these curses. I'm going to start, I'm going to start with verse 15. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast image, metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So here we have the first commandment. Do not make a graven image. Next one. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or mother. And all the people shall say, Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. Well, that's, I didn't know that was part of the commandments. Well, that's stealing. Because you've moved your landmark, made your land bigger, and your neighbor's not so big. And all the people shall say, Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. Wow. That's pretty mean. When I read that the first time, I'm like, Who? Do not commit adultery, also said, do not 
not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgression of the law. I want you to think of it sort of this way. You're driving down the road, and you run a red light. And you see those wonderful splashing lights in your, in your, in your back of your window, and you're hoping he just wants to pull you over and tell you how wonderful you are, but that's not what's going to happen. And he comes up and he says, sir, may I have your driver's license and, and registration and insurance card. And he, you give it all to him. And he comes back and says, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, yeah, I ran a red light. So I want to give you a ticket. He said, and you say, well, but officer, did you see that when I did it, I wasn't speeding? Did you, did you not see that my tag on the back of my car is valid? Did you see that I had my hands at 10 and 2? because 
righteous, the remnant was supposed to live by faith. And brothers and sisters, that's not a, that's not a message to us today. I don't know what is. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world today. It doesn't matter what our crazy government is doing. What are you and I supposed to do? Live by faith. But, oh, wait a minute. What if they what if they come down and you know they make us take the vaccine? Live by faith. Well, what if they start arresting us and taking our kids away from us? Live by faith. There's no other answer. Live by faith. See, God will always allow, there have always been two classes of men. There's the righteous and there's the unrighteous. And believe me, I know we need to reach the unrighteous because there are those out there who do not understand, who are being led astray by the world, by the evil of this world, but they just haven't heard the gospel. And we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for our world. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to kowtow to it. Doesn't mean that we are supposed to just live lives however we want, just like the rest of the world does. We are to live by faith. The righteous and unrighteous will, unrighteous will be clearly distinguished. Despite the fact that God permits unrighteous people to thrive for a period, and He may even use them for His good. Now, I don't understand that, but He does. For his purposes. Nonetheless, the arrogance and the self-will of the wicked will ultimately carry them to destruction. And you ask me, well, doesn't that break your heart? Yes, it does. But we live in a world of strong-willed people and self-willed people. And I want to be honest with you, sometimes that is us, even as believers. We need to live by faith. Trust in God. Paul uses this verse to make this point that salvation does not come through obedience to the law. We can't just try harder. It comes through faith, living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I'll get to talking to you about what that means. That looks like the end. What Paul does next is he pits faith and works against each other. Galatians 3.12. It says, But the law is not faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. He's talking about both. He's talking, if you, if you live by the law, if you believe in the law, you're going to live by the law. So what does that mean? If that's the case, then if you and I live by faith, we better be living. We say we live by faith. If I say I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I darn well better be doing it. At all times. Not just when I'm in public, but when I'm in private. When I'm home, alone. And then he goes again, and he quotes an Old Testament scripture. That's why I don't understand if anybody says you can disconnect the Old Testament. It's impossible. He goes back to Leviticus, of all things. That's what Leviticus says. You shall therefore, the Leviticus, Leviticus 18.5, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules, and if a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. See, Leviticus 18 is a chapter on sexual immorality. I'm not going to go back and read all of that. It's all about sexual immorality. And it's interesting that it says that if a person does them, they live by them. Because what usually happens when somebody is sexually immoral, it completely takes over their life. It is all encompassing. Oh, they live by it already. It's all they think about. And all they do. But that's what this chapter, that chapter is talking about. See, if you obey, if you obey the law, if you obey God, you live. Disobey God. Simple as that. See, the law always required that you do something. If I'm going to obey the law, if the law tells me, you know, the law tells me don't stand on your right foot, okay, myself. So I'm like this, so I'm obeying the law, I'm doing something, right? And if 
I disobey the law, what am I doing? I'm doing something. The law makes you do something. Either go with the law once, or the law tells you not to do one or the other. But faith, faith doesn't do that. Faith is not based upon what you do. So when scripture tells us that we are justified by faith, that means that our justification has nothing to do with what we do. Well, Pastor, when you say we're supposed to live by faith, yeah, we are. Faith is what drives us. It's not what we do. We do live by faith and we do righteous things. But we do it because of our faith, not because of the law or anything that it tells us to do or not to do. See, there are two possible ways to salvation. One is to keep the law perfectly. To do everything that the law requires. To do nothing that it disallows. And guess what? There's been no mere man since the fall that's been able to keep the law perfectly. It can't happen. And I body. I want you to go down, I want you to get your car, and I want you to drive down the road. And without using your cruise control, I want you to keep that dial right on 55. Because guess what? You hit 55 and a quarter, you just broke the law. I want you to not have any bad thoughts about me. I don't want you to have any bad thoughts about anybody. I don't think that thing about me. What about the guy that next What about that neighbor that, you know, always throws his stuff over in your yard, or lets his dog wander in your yard and never cleans it up? Every thought we have begins in a simple Israel was in. 
And I want you to understand some of these things that how important they are and what they really mean to us. So Israel is locked in this cage. Waiting for God to show up and do something. Oh, come, oh, come, And ransom captive Israel That mourns in lowly exile here Until the Son of God Now, this, this is the amazing twist in the story. 
Think about it this way. Think about it like a heart surgeon. A heart surgeon is going to go in, he's got a patient who's dying. And he knows that this patient needs a heart transplant. And this heart surgeon also knows that the only way that this person is going to survive is if he takes out his own heart and puts it in his patient. Very own. 
through faith. That's why at the, at the second part of uh, verse 14, Paul says, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. He says we. Well, who's Paul? Who's Paul talking about? He says we. He's talking about the Jews because we are the Jews. He is. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessed of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the proper spirit of faith. Israel's prophets had prophesied that one day God would restore the nation of Israel by removing her sin and sending the Spirit. And that's exactly what occurred in Pentecost. Acts 2. Peter says this, Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are witness. He says, we saw it. Don't doubt us, we saw it. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourself are seeing and hearing. Peter's saying, He's doing it. The Holy Spirit's here. The promises of the prophet have been fulfilled. You see, the problem is, is that the renewal of Israel is not yet complete. A day is coming when all of Israel will be saved. And if we can discuss this, we can argue about, does it mean a remnant? Does it mean everybody? I, I believe L, I, I believe it's a remnant. I believe. I don't believe that all those people who died in their sins as Israel are coming, are, are going to be saved. There will be a a representation. Think of the 144,000. And this is what Paul tells the church of Rome. He says, lest you be wise in your own sight. In other words, don't think too highly of yourselves. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles is coming. We're living that right now. And so it remains through today. One day that hardening will be removed, and then, as it says in verse 26, and in this way all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. When Israel is fully renewed, this will mean even, even greater blessings for the Gentiles. I mean, we have amazing blessings now, partial. We're part of God's family. We're grafted in. We have received the Holy Spirit. We have hope of a new world after this one is destroyed. We have the Holy Spirit who's with us daily. We have so many blessings because Israel has been partially restored. To see how much better it will be and what it will mean for all of us when they are fully restored. talking about this massive infolding of all people into the people of Israel. All under Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ in the world to die in our place on the cross, becoming a curse in our place is about God's blessings freely flow. The way is not clear for God's blessings. God has done this because only Christ could accomplish it. The law could not. We must live by faith and encourage those who do not do so to flee from sins of the flesh to hide themselves in Christ as their only hope. See, in order for you and I to be effective channels of the blessing of God, we must live by faith. This means that we need to have the mind of Christ, our Savior, and our minds must be conformed to His mind. Our hearts must be saturated with His Word. His peace must rule in our lives in everything we do. His love must fill us till it overflows. We must humble ourselves so that we can exalt Him. We keep exalting ourselves. We'll never be able to Christ. His strength and courage must be 
be ours as we run the race set for us. Not looking to the left, not looking to the right, but looking onward, upward, towards Jesus Christ. We must see the loss so we can win them times. We must by faith. Some of these new apostolic Reformation churches are saying that, that you're pouring these blessings on us and we should, we should be seeing miracles and we should see healings. And, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit working on us. But the blessings we receive, Father, is a new day every day. It's a heart that's been new. The Holy Spirit being with us. The Word of God being available to us. us eating it and drinking it and soaking it into our hearts. It's that hope we have for the world to come. It's living every day in the joy of the blessing. Even in the midst of our troubles, Lord, we can have the blessings of God so much that even those troubles pale in comparison to the joy of knowing Christ. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, thank you for the cross. For faith. Help us to live by faith. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to walk with us and show us. Pour out. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.